Hello and welcome back to another episode of InCheck with Fintech. Today we're delighted to be joined by Kim Ferkoy, co-founder and CEO at Solvimon. Kim has built his career around the topic of monetization. As the vice president of product at Adyen, he had full ownership over the development of a homegrown building platform and oversaw the entire code to cash process. Through this position, Kim gained a comprehensive understanding of all aspects of monetization within a rapidly expanding business, including international taxation, revenue assurance, and sales compensation. Enjoy listening. And I'll just start, Kim. I'll say thank you for having me into your beautiful office here in Utrecht. Thanks. Thanks uh, for making the time and um, making the trip. Of course, yeah, great to have you on the show. It's not that far from Amsterdam, so that saves uh, a lot. Uh, Still, Utrecht is... uh, uh, Amsterdam without tourists. So, uh. <laughs> say that to the true Amsterdam or nothing did this joke. <laughs> um, Kim, welcome. Yeah, I always say, who is Kim? Can you start with a little bit of introduction on where you are, your background? So, uh, I'm one of the co founders of uh, Solvimon. I uh, spent uh, about seven years in, uh, in FinTech. Uh, maybe most noteworthy is uh, my time at uh, Agen, where I spent uh, four, almost six years in, in products. Uh, this is where I got to learn uh, all the nitty-gritty details about uh, about payments. Uh, this is where I got to uh, work with amazing customers, uh, amazing people, and uh, also work on uh, interesting projects such as uh, Billingwatt. Uh, we will probably discuss a bit more today. And it's also where you've um, met your co-founder, right? That's right, yeah. So uh, my co-founder at HN was uh, one of the first uh, engineers of uh, Aken. So you worked at Agenda, I think, for almost 13 years. And uh, yeah, we worked together on the topic of, uh, of billing. But uh, his first project, actually, uh, 30 years ago, was to build the Agenda billing, uh, internal Agenda billing system. So uh, this is obviously uh, also uh, how uh, things relate back to uh, back to solving all the yeah. company uh, we started uh, last year. Yeah, because you went after Agen first in message bird. That's right, yes. And then you started Solvimon. So yeah. how did that came about? Yeah, well, what we what we saw in the market is that uh, business models are changing. Um, where uh, the last 10 years, we have seen a lot of subscriptions like, uh, like Slack, eh, where you pay per, per user per month. Uh, also, uh, in the history, like uh, HubSpot, where you pay for maybe salesperson per month or for Salesforce. Uh, and and, and the, the, that's changing rapidly uh, to more usage-based models. So, or uh, anything in between, eh? because there's also a lot of business models that sit in between seat-based, uh, user-based, and uh, usage-based, or can also be a combination of both. And at Agen, but also at other infrastructure companies like AWS, usage-based pricing, and so pay per gigabyte or per API call or per payment was already there from the start when those companies uh, like Agen, but also AWS, they started. But now this, this sort of move to more flexible pricing is uh, seen across the whole stack. So not only on the infrastructure layer, and the infrastructure players, but also on more traditional SaaS. So that's what we uh, realized uh, that, hey, at Agen, we always uh, had this flexible uh, model. And now the whole market uh, is changing to more flexible uh, pricing uh, and, and business models. And there's actually no good solution out there to support these, these, new, business, uh, these new business models at scale, because I think that's, that's the real challenge. Why is there no one doing this yet? Well, I think the change uh, 
uh, to more flexible pricing uh, happens quite quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and subscriptions, uh, there is uh, there's a couple of companies uh, that started doing subscriptions uh, 10 years ago, uh, like a Zora, like a Stripe billing, uh, etc. Um, but what the general feels in the market is that um, you really need a different infrastructure and a different solution to do more flexible models. Uh, these traditional billing systems are a little bit too rigid to, to support with all these new uh, sort of uh, uh, models. They don't understand the nuances, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and the end user expectation, as uh, so the end customer are getting the, the invoice, also has different uh, uh, requirements. So maybe you want to trash your bill during the month. Uh, so that there's no surprise end of the month that you have to pay uh, thousands uh, of euros. Well, well, you expect it maybe a bit of hundred euros. Yeah. Uh, so you need a diff very different infrastructure, more real time, more flexible to uh, to do to do this right. So that's uh, that's what we're building with solving. So it's the requirements of the infrastructure that make this so complex. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay. The technicalities of it all. Yeah. And um, and if you look at uh, the different sort of go-to-market strategies. Yeah, so if you have a company selling to to uh, in the B2B space, if you have a sales-led motion and you have a lot of salespeople, what you also see is a lot of creativity so with pricing uh, because every deal uh, is unique. Every uh, customer has some special requests when it comes to pricing and being able to administer all these uh, different deals is also really complex. Um, so, so that's uh, that's uh, that's the other business uh, challenge. Yeah. So, a traditional subscription platform doesn't suffice. Well, is there a difference between the requirements you see from a typical SME coming through and a corporate? And you talk about the creativity of those deals, for example. Yeah. And I can imagine that a large corporate might have more creativity. Uh, in the deals that they put in. Is that the case or is there clear differences in the requirements that you see for, or the applicability maybe even of these kind of flexible billing solutions? Yeah, so I think up until a series A and a series B, so uh, if you're still a small company, you can work with uh, with Excel, you can maybe do Stripe billing. Uh, but if you uh, go beyond that point, you realize that a billing becomes a bottleneck, uh, not only operationally, but maybe even in worst case scenarios, it starts to impact your business mm -hmm. um, because it starts to dictate what uh, your commercial uh, teams uh, can sell and cannot sell. Uh, but also it starts to uh, limit uh, how you can monetize new APIs you're launching or uh, your, the features you uh, launch. And, uh, and then it really becomes a problem that you that will probably be important enough to, uh, for, for a business to reconsider the approach. Uh, and, and, and that's also our entry point. So, so we are not targeting like uh, smaller companies uh, that are pre-product market fit or uh, or uh, until uh, Series A, but we're tar targeting the bigger companies because this we, we see billing really as a growing pain. Mm -hmm. And the faster you grow, the more pain it's uh, gonna gonna introduce. Uh, how do you? Because you say there's before you guys came in, there wasn't really a solution around this in the same way that you offer it, right? How, how do you see your customers? 
or have they dealt with before you came in? Um, was it indeed Excel spreadsheets, different solutions, uh, engineers trying to put it all together, yeah. finance teams having to have uh, multiple hands in order to s solve all this? Yeah, all of that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we see a lot of uh, homegrown solutions, um, which which makes sense. Uh, it can be done. I will never say, tell you that you cannot build your, your own solution. You can do it. It's just, I think, uh, what you not often realize is how much resources it takes. Uh, take uh, take AWS. I think they have a thousand people working on their own building. Uh, Twilio, the same thing, uh, around 200 people. It can be really a, a deep investment to do it right. And when you start to build something yourself, you probably will build the requirements you have today and not for the next five years. And if you're growing your business, you probably, uh, you know, you introduce new products, new business models, maybe every six months. So, so when you launch your, your own, uh, internal billing engine, uh, what you maybe started six months ago, you already have new products. So you're already too late. Huh? So you, I think if you choose a billing provider, you want to choose something really future proof with the most modern, uh, sort of, uh, technologies, but also the most flexible options when it comes to pricing. And it frees up resources, I guess, right? For many of these companies, billing is not their core business. Yep. So to have an expert like you guys yeah. uh, will help in order to uh, have them put their eggs in different baskets. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, uh, what I also uh, told you before, like, it's not a very sexy topic, <laughs> right? Uh, it's really hard to find engineers who are super motivated uh, to work on the, on a billing engine. Uh, and at the same time, it requires a lot of expertise because it's not only just tracking usage, it's also about texts. It's also about, you know, revenue assurance. So you need to understand like how finance teams uh, look at this. So there's a lot of, uh, it's so multifaceted. It's really hard to find the right uh, team or get the right team together to, uh, to build something. It's interesting though, because I mean, payments, when I went into payments 10 years ago, it wasn't sexy at all. No. And, and look where it is now, right? So maybe that's the future of billing too. Yeah, yeah no, I hope so. Uh, that's what we're aiming for, to make uh, billing sexy again by not seeing it as a cost center, but something that uh, unlocks uh, incremental revenue and therefore making it sexy again eh? because it, uh, it drives uh, a net new uh, revenue. Is that how you position it towards engineers? And is that the vision that you try to get into mind? Yeah, so if we if we talk to our prospective customers, we we obviously talk to finance teams, yeah. but we also love to get the commercial side involved because I think that's a much stronger uh, business case that uh, it's not only about automating and stopping manual work and reducing errors it's also about hey uh with a modern billing platform you can monetize your your newest uh, features within days not weeks and you can uh, uh leave less revenue on the table um and stop revenue leakage so i think it's a real uh it can make a lot of impact on the business I think that's a nice bridge you need towards what are the benefits of having kind of yeah. good billing uh, in place. Um, so it's, it's a really faster release. It's um, making sure that the new features you can immediately start billing. I guess it's a better customer experience as well. Yeah, as well. Yeah, it's more uh, the flexibility uh, is actually the, the, the key thing end customers ask for. Uh, they, 
they want uh, their cost to, uh, they are okay with their cost going up if their business also goes up, yeah. but the cost should also go down if, uh, if their business is uh, maybe uh, not doing so great. Um, so end customers are a main driver for more flexibility in pricing, yes. What, are, what else, what are other advantages that you typically position towards your customers? Yeah, it's also a way to um, um, reduce the, the hurdle to uh, to start using a product. Eh? Uh, there's now, uh, you also see that at uh, AWS or other data infrastructure companies or um, that there's multiple business models for a single product. Eh? So, so you can start with pay as you go. Yeah. So you start uh, without any commitment or any monthly fee and you start just to pay uh, for what you use. Uh, but if you scale up, the, the prices you get there are not super, uh, uh, super interesting. <laughs> uh, so there's like an incentive uh, to do the second business model to uh, give commitments on, on certain spends or certain usage. And there you get the deepest uh, discounts. Um, so, so I think that's uh, it. Also, really helps to to lower the hurdle to uh, start trying out a new product. Um, so, therefore, it can also help it for, for example, product led growth. Yeah, yeah. If, uh, that's uh, that's nowadays a popular uh, thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. If open banking, open finance, open data, or open banking payments is your thing, this is your must-attend event of 2023. We are delighted to be an official media partner of Open Banking Expo taking place in London on October 18 and 19. The event is free to register for many organizations, or you can claim a 20% discount on standard tickets by coding PCN20. Enjoy over 150 show-stopping speakers, 7 stages, 60-plus sessions and network with more than a thousand industry peers. Register now by visiting openbankingexpo.com slash UK. What about reporting? Like, um, I guess both for your customers as well as the end customer, also better? Yeah, well, I would say usage-based inherently is more complex than just a simple subscription per month. So therefore, it's really important to be transparent uh, and to be able to also provide uh, the data and the details how a certain invoice was uh, put together and for end customers to also trace that back um, to their own usage. Uh, so they can audit, they can understand what is driving their invoice. So we put a lot of emphasis on, on making sure it all reconciles and it's uh, transparent uh, for our customers, but also for end customers um, because you, uh, you will definitely get questions like uh, if you adopt a user-based business model, like from end customers, like how how did you get to this number? Yeah. Uh, and you need to be able to explain. Uh, and this can be costly for your support team. Uh, it can be very time consuming. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can imagine. So, that, and that again, that complexity comes from the technical com infrastructure that comes with it is not actually putting on a piece of paper and saying, hey, you use one gigabyte here, or you've used this feature five times, or you made this many API calls. Yeah. But it's about reporting that back and tracking that kind of use. Yeah, so the five API calls, when did I make them? Who did uh, they trigger these API calls? Uh, so, so this is, uh, yeah, uh, the reconciliation as we call it. What, what type of different flexible billing solutions are there, or billing um, methods or setups? 
are there. Um, yeah, so the most flexible is like pure play usage based pricing. Mm -hmm. So you only pay for an API call, for example, or for whatever. Um, then on the other end of the spectrum, there's the traditional seats based model yeah. or subscriptions, for example, per user. Uh, and there's a lot in between. There's a, like uh, I can write down 12 variants. Um, for example, you can say, okay, I do a monthly fee of 100 euros and included in that monthly fee of 100 euros, you get 10,000 API calls. And if you go over that, then you start to pay an overage fee. Uh, so this is actually, for example, what HubSpot is, uh, HubSpot is yeah. doing. So you, add, uh, you, you pay for their marketing products, a monthly uh, fee per month or per year, you get a discount. And then included in that is some number of uh, marketing contacts. If you go over that, you start to pay a fixed fee per month per thousand marketing contacts. And that then also goes down the more you do. Yeah. So there's like a lot of um, uh, incentives also to put you on the higher plan. Because if you're on the, on the lowest plan and you do a lot of usage, it's just not interesting for you as a customer. You can better go to the more premium plan. Uh, and there you also, of course, commit to more sort of a monthly spend. So um, it's, uh, there's a lot of uh, interesting things, uh, how you can optimize uh, with pricing and that impacts uh, your business uh, tremendously. Yeah. And it, it sounds like there's quite some education needed as well, yes. probably of your customers, right? Which, which, which group within those customers needs the most education? If I come at this from a sales point of view as a salesperson, yeah. I would say on paper, it makes total sense, right? You get X amount of contacts. If you get over it, we'll give you a discount and that's super straightforward. Yeah. But they probably, or I don't understand the technical complexity that's come with that. Yeah. Is that correct? Or is there finance as well? Finance is difficult or? Yeah, no. It's funny that you asked this question because I, I really think, uh, Pricing in general as a concept is under owned. Mm -hmm. And there's not a single person typically in a business that sort of sees through this problem end to end. Um, and you have to, this, uh, you know, in a very traditional sit setup, you have the salesperson wanting to get the deal done and getting the signature, his job is done. And then it goes to finance and uh, they, uh, they uh, need to make it happen. You will never go back, back to the customers say, oh, sorry, you cannot build that. Here's a new contract, a different pricing structure. That's not going to happen. So finance will make it work. Uh, so finance is dealing with the, the sort of manual work and uh, the, the errors. Um, commerce, they often not realize uh, like that they could uh, get more out of a deal or uh, if they get better guidance on, on pricing, that's uh, the price consistency and quality would be higher. Um, but there's no, no single person often in the company that owns pricing and sees through this end to end. So I'm also uh, sort of uh, trying to educate the market. Hey, maybe it's a good thing to, uh, to hire a product manager monetization uh, that can you uh, help to give visibility in, uh, in all the, the points of friction end to end and solve this as a as a, uh, as a as an end-to-end -end solution. Um, so uh, yeah, obviously I've also been a prioritization, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's really important to own this problem centrally 
um, and obviously some some CFOs and CCOs or CEOs do see this problem, but traditionally it's it's quite scattered, and that makes it also super hard to uh, to solve. Yeah. What do you think is the best person to own it in an organization? In my point of view, in an ideal world, it would be uh, I'd see this as a commercial problem. So it would be either a CPO or Chief Product Officer or CCO. Uh, but what we see a lot is uh, CFO is uh, is owning this. And why do you think a CCO or CPO or the commercial side is better suited to own this in an ideal world? Because there's more to gain. Mm. Um, so if you if you are solving uh for automation and then you only reduce your work or sure your invoices get more accurate and that's kind of stuff so end customers are, uh, it's a better uh, experience so that's also important but if you are solving a commercial problem then you start thinking okay how can i uh, uh put this product to work that i get more business out of it uh, What's the impact of introducing a new business model? Uh, can we get more leads? Uh, can we upsell more? Um, so then there's more uh, business. Uh, the business case is stronger, I would say. That's where the value is truly unlocked. Yes, exactly. Because, yeah, there's a giant So for us, it's also better because then we can yeah. charge a harder, uh, bigger price if, if if there's more to gain, right? But uh, yeah, uh, it's a process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Why do you think not more companies are doing this? Is it because indeed of the uh, cost or resource need to be allocated to it? Um, I guess that's in-house. But why is there not more competition around this topic? Is are you the first that you think this is just a tip of the iceberg and more will follow? Yeah. No. I, I do see uh, this is a quite a new trend, mm-hmm. uh, but a very strong trend. So also the subscription players uh, like Azora, they do get questions from from their customers like, hey, can you also do usage base? So obviously they are also investing in that, but they are not rethinking their 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 architecture. Uh, so we are building something from the ground up um end to end and uh, yeah i'm really uh, enterprise grinded um so so we do see there's movement in the market mm-hmm. a lot of companies start to realize that um, building something yourself only scales until uh, maybe a series b and yeah i think uh, th- it is the right moment uh, to start uh, solving on that yeah. <laughs> because uh, yeah we see uh, we uh, we see a lot of interest I'm sure, yeah. Which is interesting because many of these kind of usage-based solutions have been around for much longer, right? They've not, it's not yeah. as if they just started this year or if they've been around for a couple of months. Like you, you mentioned AWS, you mentioned um, HubSpot. They've been around for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they also made very deep investments. I'm sure. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you need to think about this. Is, is it your core? Uh, for some companies it is, and some companies it is not. No. Um, and I think also with all the new economic uh, circumstances, uh, you need to think more strictly about that. Yeah. So, so that's, uh, that's, I think, changes the conversation as well. Yeah, I keep remembering this example that you gave. I think the first time we spoke about Atlassian, I think they invested millions and then they said, okay, we're going to pull out this project because it's actually, we see that this is too much. Yeah. It's going to cost us too much. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that is one of the many examples <laughs> where where it was underestimated uh, how how big an investment in a building engine can be uh, come if you do this intern. Okay, thing. Yeah. What what is your competitive advantage? Is it that you guys come from this kind of billing 
background, which I guess a lot of people don't have, or what do you think is the uh, competitive advantage that uh, you guys offer? Yeah, I think what, so again, billing is not a very sexy topic. So there's also very little people out there that have done this before yeah. and that really have a billing DNA. Uh, so we worked in the billing space, um, me and my co-founder and uh, some of our team billing space for many years. And, and we have seen all aspects of it. And that really helps us to, to build something that's actually uh, really future-proof and, uh, and is also really scalable. That is one aspect, so the experience, but then uh, we also know what it takes to do uh, enterprises. And because we have seen a lot of uh, creative salespeople, we also hired the one ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so we know how creativity uh, works in, uh, in sales. And, uh, and therefore a billing system needs to be really flexible to support all these creative deals. And this, you can only build something, in my opinion, if you've seen that before. So that's, I think, how we position ourselves to be enterprise ready, yeah. to be end-to-end. So yes, we start with pricing and billing right now, but uh, supporting sales with issuing quotes and doing the collection of the invoices, obviously uh, a strong part of our, of our vision. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's I think, also what, uh, what uh, our potential customers need. Interesting, yeah. You started Solvimon about a year ago? Yeah. It's your first company that you founded, right? You're yep. a, a first entrepreneur. Yes, okay. that's right. Um, can you talk a bit about what are, you, what are your highs? When do you like it? And when are you like, okay, this, is, this has been a bad day, basically? Well, I can have both emotions in the same day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when do I like it? When when I see that the team is really pulling it off and a lot shipping new features, talking uh, directly with customers and, and get a thrill out of the, uh, such a conversation. When I like it is uh, when I do a sales pitch and, uh, and customers say, oh, I've been waiting for this so long. <laughs> when I don't like it is, uh, yeah, well, I think being a founder, it takes, takes quite a lot. Yeah. It's not like uh, you allow yourself to uh, think about other things than uh, building the business. So uh, yeah. it takes a lot. Yeah, I feel like that. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Great. I mean, Kim, thanks very much. It's been uh, exciting to hear a bit more about uh, billing in general. Um, I've also not considered it yet as a very sexy topic, so I'm glad <laughs> that you've enlightened me somewhat. I really like, uh, I wrote down a few things, but pricing is under-owned. I think it's probably what is maybe even core at what you guys are doing is to try and own that and then give that ownership back to an organization, whether it's commercial or on the product side or on the on the finance side. I think you guys got a lot cooking. Can you give a bit of a tip of the, um, it's not tip of the iceberg, you know what it is in Dutch, I don't know what it's in English, but uh, what's next for Solvium on is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, what's next? Uh, so we went out of stealth uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, so we're now just uh, launching the products with our uh, pilots uh, or design customers. Uh, we signed uh, our uh, a couple of them already and we're now uh, yeah, getting the feedback, getting to, uh, to the next version uh, because we're never done shipping. Uh, so for us, the go-to-market in the next uh, few months uh, is, is the most uh, important uh, towards the end of the year. We want to uh, close as many new customers as possible. Yeah, exciting. Great. If people want to follow your journey, I guess they can f- go to LinkedIn. Yes, we're present on LinkedIn, obviously. We have a website. You can contact uh, me uh, or HN directly. Uh, we're super uh, open uh, to any needs of <laughs> Awesome, Kim. Thanks very much again. Great to have you. Thanks for having me in your office here in Utrecht. Thanks a lot. 
Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of In Check with Fintech. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the like button and leave us a comment below. We'll be having more industry leaders soon, so don't forget to subscribe as well in order to keep updated with the latest episodes of our podcast.